Insights, interviews, and best practices by clinicians for clinicians. Welcome to GE Healthcare's Clinical View Podcasts. Top Med Talk. This is Top Med Talk here at Euroanesthesia 2023. I'm Desiree Chapel, your host today, and Monty Mythen. Hello, Monty. Hey, Desiree. Oh, hang on, the pipers are go. cutting back in. Here they go. We're gonna. Oh. Well, I think actually it's it's very fitting. We have them playing while uh, we're talking about being here in the exhibit hall, Monty. Some wonderful booths today here. The very first day of ESA, we have the privilege, the opportunity to be with GE Healthcare, one of our platinum sponsors for Top Med Talk. Absolutely, very generous, loyal supporters of Top Med Talk. And just to reiterate, it wouldn't be possible to keep this as free open access medical education for the world if it wasn't for our our great sponsors. And recently, GE, who used to sponsor us, transitioned into GE Healthcare, which we heard about particularly at the American Society of Anesthesiology at the back end of last year. But more about that in a moment, I'm guessing. Yeah, we definitely will dive into that. Monty, this is our third year here at the European Society of Anesthesiology Intensive Care Euroanesthesia meeting. Um, prior to COVID, we were here. Last year, we were here as well. So we're in Vienna. Yeah. And we're going to catch up with some people that we met in Vienna talking yes. about projects that they had planned at that stage. Uh-huh. Now, some of them got COVIDed, but I think they got <laughs> back on back on track. And then last year, we were in Italy. We were in Milano for, uh, for ESA there. And actually, we were on GE, uh, the booth for GE last year At as well. At the launch of one of their amazing it products. Was. And actually, I think we've got a version of it. You can't, you know, it's just not great radio, me holding up to. to <laughs> Let me get a picture of that, Monty. I'm going to get a picture. <laughs> but here, here we here go. We are, here, here we are, we are with are. the team. That's right. We our, got it. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. And, and it's part of what we're going to be hearing about is more remote monitoring. I mean, we actually were there at one of the the launch of one of the products last year. The launch of Portrait Mobile. Well, we wanted to catch up with the GE team um, again this year and hear more about where um, where they've been this last year, what's happening, what's new and upcoming. We see a lot um, of new products on the stand here, so super excited about that. So this morning we have Chris Lawman, the the senior modality leader for GE Healthcare. Chris, thank you so much for joining us. Pleasure to be here. Thanks. Yeah, absolutely. And then we have Peter Von Hiesick, the Anesthesia Digital Leader for GE. Correct. Thank you so much yep. for joining us. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and, and Anesthesia Digital... I know. Lead, is that... Lots to break down there. Okay, yeah. We'll, yeah. we'll, go, we'll go into that because I don't know what one of those is. <laughs> I would think I would like one of those. <laughs> May I have one of those, please? Well, um, gentlemen, it's great to be here with GE. Last year, we were here for the launch of Portrait Mobile. We know that that has been... Um, a major feat for uh, GE Healthcare, and a lot has happened over the last year. So, Chris, I wanted to start with you and talk to you a little bit about um, that particular product, but also how that's being integrated into the hospital setting um, to help improve connectivity. And there's this word that we throw around a lot, interoperability. Uh, and and But I want to know a little bit more about that and how the solutions that you guys have with GE Healthcare, how all that's contributing to interoperability and connectivity. Okay. It's, it's a bit of a challenge. And um, I think when we, when we look at it as a whole, you know, we, we speak with a lot of the other vendors as well. And we've come together as a collective to actually discuss interoperability and connectivity and sort of standardization um, within the healthcare arena. 
And it's, it is really challenging because we find that, you know, you look at the NHS right now, they've got this kind of drive around artificial intelligence, you know, the, the big data, primary care versus secondary care and having that interconnectivity and be able to have, you know, patients' records available for everybody. But I think one of the main challenges that we see is it's great. Let's talk about AI. Let's talk about big data. But sometimes we have to go back to basics. Yeah. So, so if you look at 90% of the operating rooms in the UK don't have a network. Right. <laughs> okay, so actually trying to be able to get that data to be able to use the AI is a challenge. When you say they don't have a network, do you mean that they don't have the wiring there for the internet? Absolutely. Or? Okay. Absolutely. Wow. So um, in many cases, obviously, we need to have a network point in the OR so that we can connect the patient monitoring. So we're getting just those standard demographics coming from the patient, being able to get them into an electronic medical record system, yes. and then being able to you know, use that sort of data to do a little bit more deep dive looking at you know from a research perspective um but we just can't get the data there you know because when, when one goes into that environment i, I mean i mainly come from the intensive care world and yep. we happened where i worked at university college london hospitals to have had an electronic health record for quite a long time mm-hmm. i kind of think that everybody has got all those connections like all our infusion pumps and our ventilators all talk to each other do i live in an un a weird place is that not normality not not in every case no okay. you're absolutely right so you're right where it's easy to put a network in we'll do it right but you know there's challenges in terms of the or specifically because of the environment that it is it's a clean environment the only time you can get in there is on an audit day or they have to shut down theater mm. uh, and that's expensive mm. we, you know we know we've got the uh, the backlog in the uk in terms of getting that elective care done we haven't got the time to close down theatres to put the networks in. The infrastructure is old in many cases, you know. So you've got um, old hospitals in London, for example. You've been there, you know. <laughs> Brick-built, really solid hospitals. Yeah. And trying to put infrastructure in there is a challenge. Yeah, yeah but- that is really... Well, I was just going to say that's really interesting because you just assume, um, especially with the NHS. I mean, I work in, in the U.S. There's lots of variability. Um, I'm vice president of clinical quality for North Star Anesthesia. We have over 200 facilities. Um, I'm still surprised that we have paper charting yep. in, in some of our facilities. I would say that, you know, network networking, you wouldn't think that the structure of a building or shutting down an OR would really impede that. You would think everybody would want to be, hmm. you know, connected. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, not so much in the OR, but in other areas around the, the hospital site, you know, when was the last time you actually went and had an x-ray and somebody gave you a film and you were walking back to the A&E and holding it up to the light to see if you'd actually broken a finger or whatever, you know? That doesn't happen anymore, but we still do it with a 12-lead ECG. We're still printing 12-lead ECGs everywhere when Why? it could be all digital. Why? I don't know. I don't know whether it's just an adoption. You know, I think it's that change management that's probably needed in terms of education and getting guys to, to actually understand the capabilities that we have there. Because the x-ray thing is a great example because Perfect. that seemed to happen fairly quickly and fairly smoothly. Yeah. And is that because they changed the x-ray machine from being the camera analog. to it being the total? Analog to digital, is, yeah. that, is that the switch? Absolutely. I mean, you, you're using the DICOM protocol to be able to, you know, take those images. We're able to share those images to wherever they're needed. You're getting information at point of care, point of need. Yeah. yeah. But it just seems like with a 12 lead that I don't know whether it's, 
you know, people just need to pick up a piece of paper and feel it and touch it and actually be able to look at it rather than actually seeing it on a digital screen where you can put your calipers on, you can do your measurements and you can do your interpretation. No, because once it's digital, you can really deploy it yeah. or make it available throughout Hostful. And well, you can let the computers help. Exactly. More yeah. We're not. Most of us are not very good at looking at ECGs. We're, and we're not even talking about AI. We're just <laughs> these are basics. Exactly. This yeah, is basic stuff. And this is where we need to go back to basics. Just just another uh, brief example is, you know, um, we're trying to deploy equipment into hospitals and we're trying to utilize the, the wireless infrastructure. Yeah. Um, but when you sit down with the IT department, they have several challenges. You've got to have Wi-Fi in all the areas. Some of the Wi-Fi is you know, a few years old and not necessarily robust yeah. enough to support uh, what we're trying to put on there. Or an IT department will be really reluctant to put real-time patient data on yep. their network because of the instabilities, you know, so that can provide another challenge. The security and, risk is yep. a huge thing. Security risk, but that is also the performance and having the data available all the time. It's, it's like having your Wi-Fi in your own house, uh, house back home and then expect that you will have the same quality Wi-Fi at the attic. Or the basement, the basement of your house. Yeah. Uh, is, is Wi-Fi the answer, though? Isn't it? Or would it be better off just being hardwired? Or am I being a bit old-fashioned about that? Well, you, you mentioned earlier about Portrait Mobile. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let's talk about. It. You're holding this up right now. I'm going to get yeah. another yeah. picture. Holding so, up something that looks like a mobile phone. It does. A hint fatter than some of the modern ones, but very elegant. More. And you're holding the other hand something that's about the size of a old pacemaker. With what's looked like an oximeter probe on it and a wristband. So a very is. elegant combo of two things. It is, and a part of this probe is a battery. Okay. And within this battery, we have a protocol that's called Binder. Right. Which is for medical body area networks. Right. Okay, so we're used to talking about Wi-Fi networks. We're used to talking about Bluetooth or Zigbee or other communication methods. This right. is a medical body area network with a protocol, as I say, it's called Binder. But what this does, it sends data on three different frequencies three different times. Right. And therefore, the connectivity method that we have, it's as good as a wire. So this is the patient's mini hub, Correct. is it sort of thing? Yeah. So because it's as good as a wire, we've got that reliability. Yeah. We're not going to be susceptible to interference around the hospital environment. There's a lot of noise. And when I talk about noise, I'm talking radio frequency noise. Yes. Not the noise that we can hear, not the ambient noise that we've got going on behind us right now. But it's actually RF. It's hidden, you know? Yeah. What's it called again? It's called... Binder, binder is the protocol, the, the protocol. that GE have developed. That, that's, if I'm thinking in simple lay terms, that's your alternative to Bluetooth, but it's... hundred times more robust. Exactly. Yep. But that's the idea. It's, yep, an, yep, it's yep. a communicating Correct. thing, but the patient wears this, so they communicate from them. And it gives them that flexibility to be... Right, problem um, solved. Let's yeah. go with it. They're, 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 they're there to be mobile. They're ambulatory. You know, that's going to aid in recovery. So you're not tethered to a bed. Okay. So yep. one last question from me, because I tend to talk a lot, is that <laughs> every time I've been to the uh, IT department with anything new and novel that's a solution like this, they seem to have a problem committee, and it doesn't take them long <laughs> to find a problem. <laughs> so they have problem experts, and they usually start with, the problem with that is, yep. okay, so what barriers have you come up against so far with that one? To be fair, because it's not something, because this is the binder protocol is literally between the sensor and the hub, we're not actually putting this on the hospital infrastructure. Okay. So those challenges are not always there in this situation. So it skips internally, it, and it, the robustness of the encrypted envelope of the hospital is for them to worry about. Correct. You're just skipping data into it, yep. and therefore you think you can't be cyber-attacked? 
No. I mean, obviously, there's always risk out there. Yeah. And then when we go onto the hospital wireless infrastructure, then, you know, there is risk in terms of cybersecurity. We have to make sure that our protocols are secure. And that's something that we build into every product. Yeah. Well, that was going to be my question about this as well. I mean, I'm thinking as a nurse, yep. I'm using Portrait Mobile. Uh, and I'm getting my real-time data for all my patients it's in my pocket. I don't even have to go to this nurse's station. I don't have to be in the ITU. This can be on a, a regular ward unit. Yep. Fantastic, right? I think last year we talked a lot about how the, the filters are really good for this to filter out some of that other noise, yep. patient factors. Uh, you know, they're moving around. It's not picking up their pleth. It starts to alarm, so on and so forth. I think that's great, and we can talk more about that. But you know, the, the other thing that is a huge burden to me as a nurse is having to chart all the vital signs, you know, either on paper that their blood pressures were this or that it comes, you know, over into an electronic medical record. Is there a solution for this that those vitals actually go into the patient record or how does Absolutely. that work? So we're using standard IHE protocols in terms of being able to export patient IHE. data, integrated health, their standards that it's we a have. Sta- a standard Thing. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. So we're taking the data, we're sending that over a server, we're translating it into HL7, which mm-hmm. is a health standard health language that yep, we're using, health level 7. Yeah. Um, and then we're able to get that data into those electronic medical record systems. Perfect. Yeah. So whether it's Portrait Mobile, whether it's Canvas 1000 in the ITU or in the OR, well, if there's a network, um, <laughs> we're able to get that data into the electronic medical record system. And that's when you can then use that system to be able to... Uh, collate that data and get your early warning scores and things like that yeah fantastic so some some limitations when it comes to networks and things like that but this really sounds like it can help me as a nurse monty as a physician to have data at your fingertips and it's going to get better going to get easier because we're going to integrate this into other patient monitors yeah okay so very cool yeah. Keep an eye on that one. Yeah, we will. Well, Peter, you're the anesthesia and respiratory care, right, digital person. So tell us, you know, all this conversation, I'm sure, is near and dear to you, and you've probably had right. a lot of <laughs> a lot of influence in this space. For sure. So um, what, what was explained by Chris is, is really the, the monitoring side and, and making sure that the connectivity, the, wi- the, the wireless connectivity is, is uh, as high quality as possible. I think you were explaining... Uh, the connectivity in the ICU as well as the operating room, and we're very much relying on the network connectivity. So what Chris was explaining is that when there is no network infrastructure available, then obviously you cannot deploy this data as we would like to offer it. Uh, the part we're offering is really the analytics part. So wow. gathering data in its high fidelity. So it's like comparing with a, with a camera of 10 years ago. If you would like to see what's happening in the background of you, you zoom in today with the high fidelity image. We do the same thing with our devices. So big data, we send all the data every breath. So 500 data points every breath from both the anesthesia machine as well as from the patient monitor and allow clinicians and managers to analyze their processes, whether it's to do with low flow anesthesia, whether it's to do with the actual use of the anesthetic agents or whether we're talking about long protective ventilation uh, part there. Yeah. Go ahead, Matthew. I mean, we already have a lot of data to... If you just look at regular charted data, we're a bit overwhelmed already. That sounds like super overwhelming, but I'm guessing it's not. So I've seen some analytics and some right. ways of presenting the data that says, thank you. You're, you're, you're spot on. <laughs> I think 
offering more data is not the answer yeah. to, to the question. It's really providing ready-made uh, analytics. That's okay. If you're focusing on outcomes on, for instance, sustainability or on the long protective ventilation, then having a ready-made dashboard, which does not take any IT involvement or uh, processing and just drawing conclusions. Because you were mentioning, because you were doing a display to Desiree yeah. yesterday about some of the outputs, very cool graphics, etc. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of discussion in the anesthetic community. There's a lot about it here, about anesthetic vapors, for example, and its negative contribution to global warming and the choice of agent and vapor versus Tiva. But in the first instance, and I think we probably got there a little bit earlier in Europe, we could just turn them down, couldn't we? We could just turn those, we could just actually use lower flows and harvest some of the vapors. Is that one of the drivers of that component of it? Correct. So low flow anesthesia has been around for, for a long time. Uh, we can clearly see a, a various level of adoptions of actually low flow being at the minimum flow, half a liter or even less fresh gas flow. Uh, in a circle system, that is still high enough to provide more oxygen than the patient is absorbing. But that's really helping out and giving that visibility on whether you use sevaforane, defrane, isoforane, or nitrous oxide, and what the impact is both on the cost as well as the emissions. So by having such a longitudinal view uh, in a dashboard, it really helps to visualize like, where were you a month ago, uh, what do you want to uh, target for, and how. So Desiree, back to you. As a, you, know, you had a chance to look at that yeah. and think about that yesterday as a vice president for quality for a very large anesthesia group, something that's not far off the size of the National Health Service. <laughs> what would you do with that data? It's interesting. The models in the U.S. are slightly different. Our anesthesia groups are usually contracted with the hospital, so we don't always get this data. We're not always for sure exactly what, you know, we don't see the analytics side of this, like how right. much the flows are and things like that. I started thinking about we had a big push on Earth Day, you know, about using less gas, about changing your flows, reducing your flows. I think having that data in our hands, it's we can just target, you know, more efficiently. Where where are we using more and what type of gases are we using and what is the efficiency of the machines that we're using? Being able to have that data to go back to our hospital partners to say, hey, let's work together in cost. We're not, I'm not paying for the gas myself that's coming out of the hospital budget how do we work together to improve cost savings how do we improve the environment you know and and make that together so i think just having that data and being able to see it in a way that i can understand as team anesthesia and that the hospital can understand as care providers but also good stewards and you know financial stewards of the organization. I'm sorry, big data is absolutely brilliant. Yeah. But it's got to be tangible. Yeah. You've mm-hmm. got to be able to read it and it's got to have meaning and you've got to be able to use it to your advantage, you know? Yeah. We can all score loads and loads of data, but yeah. it's useless unless it's tangible. Yeah. Well, I think you were showing me yesterday too, you could even look into the rooms, you know, OR12, and, you know, we can say, well, so and so was an OR12 yesterday and maybe we need to have a conversation with them mm-hmm. about, you know, their practice. What is the solution name that, of that? product that you're showing the overall solution is care station insights okay and obviously the individual application so it's an app you can run it on your phone and you can view it on your computer are for agents the agent dashboard long protective ventilation dashboards adequacy of anesthesia so it's it's containerized Mm -hmm. apps so you don't deploy and you don't show all the blob of all the data (laughs) but rather focus okay this is the theme which is addressing 
So, so I hate to bring you back to my committee of problem experts now. And, and I know <laughs> we have a tendency to ask these questions, which must sometimes feel insulting because you think, well, of course we thought about the problems and of course we've thought about the solution. <laughs> you know, we, we're not that stupid. <laughs> uh, but we have to ask anyway. Right. You know, the, the immediate things they probably say is, well, you're now walking around with a phone with patient's information on it. You know, that would be one side of it. And the second side of it would be, well, if I've got low saturations on a phone in my pocket and I'm not looking at it mm-hmm. and I'm the responsible officer on the floor, mm-hmm. where's the culpability lie there? Who's getting sued? Oh, yeah. You know, that. So I know you would have, that would have been common discussions. Right. So those two points. That were, I know you can't necessarily address the second one, but Desiree might have to. <laughs> no, so coming back to the second one first, because um, yeah. when a low saturation is actually happening on, on care systems live, you actually can have this in your pocket, yeah. but the notification will uh, will buzz or will, the, the, the tone will, will definitely ring when that alarm is ringing gotcha. into your operating room, yeah. the one you're responsible for. That's clearly helping on focusing on these patients. You know, I'm walking around here and I accidentally put my phone... I've got an example just being called up for me here, yeah. which has got all the rooms on it. And everything's looking pretty good. Not sure about the sats in that room and mm-hmm. the heart rate. We can go and have a chat with them in a second. <laughs> um, but if th- this, you know, let's imagine this had patient identifiers on it and I put it down. Mm-hmm. I've now done a HIPAA breach, I think. Yep. Yep. But I don't see any names on here. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. <laughs> so the question you raised is something we did consider. Yeah. There's no identifiers on the app itself. So no patient identifiers nor uh, the physician that's responsible for that operating room. So as a physician, you know that you're responsible for operating room one and two and three. Those are the ones you activate on your app. So you will receive those notifications for those three patients. So whoever's in OR3, we need to go and have a chat, Desiree. Yeah. We think about that. I know. Ooh, that's bad. <laughs> <laughs> you have OR3. I know. OR3, we're coming to you next. <laughs> so you've deployed this now um, mm-hmm. for some time. How's it going? Some good feedback on that. It's going well. We initially introduced our Kirstenis' live app on, uh, on the iPhone. And we could clearly see that when discussing with the IT departments of hospitals that some hospitals really standardized on Android. So we, in the meantime, now launched the the Android version and uh, implemented this Android version because the the initial idea of the hospital said, okay, let's invest in iPhones for for those anesthesiologists. But they were carrying the Android of the hospital. They had their own private iPhone and they were planning to carry a third phone so you can imagine that how successful this would be <laughs> and the first thing they did in covid is take them all off us if you right. the right. infection control exactly. police came yeah. around yep. put them all in a oh, it's my phone yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> took them away said you can't have those now so right. so from an implementation perspective those are other elements which we initially did not think would be an issue or challenge um, but like having network infrastructure available this is the other one that is overcome now. So I'm holding up your own device here in my hand as opposed to looking at a, 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 my own phone, if you see what I mean. Why not stick it all on this then, if you see what I mean? So it becomes like my pager, my bleep, my clearly hospital device. I'm not taking that out to the pub to text my kids on, if you see what I mean. That's, mm-hmm. that's clearly hospital kit. Right, so. right. The way it works on the, on, on the phone is that it's really relying on the hospital network. Okay. So as soon as you move out of the hospital, gotcha. Gotcha. You, you don't need to have yeah. 
your notifications from the OR3 because if you're on holiday in uh, <laughs> in Glasgow, Glasgow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you should talk to your normal company about that. They don't see it that way, do they? They've <laughs> <laughs> been very good about my PTO. Um, so one, one last question, gentlemen. Uh, you know, again, thank you so much for sitting down with us. I think it's so important to have these conversations to hear more from the voices of those who are developing this these these solutions for us and, and how do we actually deploy those and use those as, as providers. So one of the big themes here um, at the meeting this year and for USG Healthcare is patient safety and, you know, how do we improve patient outcomes with the solutions that you have? So just kind of wrapping up, let's tie it all back to that. Like, how do you think, you know, Portrait Mobile, Care Insights, all these different solutions that you have are really going to make it safer for our patients? Chris? 70% of patients in the hospital are unmonitored, okay? So, obviously, that's a massive amount, and there's most of the cardiac arrests happen outside of the high-acuity arena. So, by putting on wearable sensors, by measuring uh, just whether it's respiratory rate or the SpO2 rate consistently across the board, we've got an eye on that patient. We can detect early deterioration of a patient, and we can interact before there's any you know reason to take that patient back into a high acuity area and this is the story that we're trying to work on you know because people get it but they're not doing anything about it yeah so we're really focusing a lot in getting the story out there making uh, everybody aware of those issues you know um i don't have a clinical background okay but you know, speaking with people doing the voice of the customer and understanding everything we know that the 30 days post-operative is that key area, especially for post-operative respiratory uh, depression or whatever. Um, so just by putting that rest sensor on, even if it's for seven days afterwards, if someone's going into a step down or you know into a ward space, it's really going to help in terms of that early, deteri- uh, early detection of deterioration of a patient. Yeah, and I think I think getting the you know the the information and the word out that this actually is easier technology for us nurses and the hospitals to use. Because I think there have been previous versions that have been not so great. Mm-hmm. So, our, you know, we're a bit biased whenever some new technology yeah. comes up. And we're like, oh, God, more alarms. You know? <laughs> it's, a, it's a really good point because bringing in technology into the ward space is probably where the healthcare professionals are not used to using technology. No. Yeah. When I've been out and spoken to a customer about this solution, we're talking about cloud-based services. Yeah. We're talking a lot about network infrastructure. And we can scare the living daylights out of people. Yeah, for But sure. actually, when you use it, it, it is their life so easy. simple to use. Oh, yeah. And, and that's the key driver for me. People have to see it working and seeing how it's going to benefit them. Yeah. You know, whereas today, they, like you said earlier, they're just going to think, oh, there's going to be a load of alarms going off. You know, how am I going to manage those alarms? Do, What's the escalation do protocol? You or the ho- yeah. Sorry to talk across. Do you or the hospital allow the patient... And all their loved ones to see the date because we're now used to looking, yeah, yeah, on versions of it on our smartwatches or yeah. whatever it is, and it's rare to bump into somebody who can't tell you their steps and heart rate now. Yeah, exactly. So I can imagine as a patient suddenly being confused as to why I can't look up my data, mm. and if my mum's there, why I can't look up mum's data. If well, you're doing this, is that? Yeah, I'm, I'm guessing I'm, that's not your call. That's hospital's call, it, is it? I, I guess it is, but right. I'm holding the hub right now, okay. and this hub would remain with the patient. Okay. Oh, okay. okay. So the hub yeah, okay. would connect to a Wi-Fi network. Yeah. There'll be a central patient viewer, so the clinicians can keep an eye on up to 48 patients at any given gotcha. time, but this hub remains with the patient. So they can look so at it. Whether they're laying so in their room. So your beloved one can actually look. Yeah. yeah. 
yeah, whether they're like a bedside in the monitor. Yeah, or gotcha. whether they're ambulatory, it still sits in their pocket or in a pouch. Oh. Okay, so they can still look at it. And and you know, we're talking about things like human factors and bringing yes. all that into yes. it. Yeah. So you know, why not in the morning they look at here and there's a traffic light system and they says, "How do you feel today?" Yeah, and it's red. I feel really bad today. Or it's green. I'm feeling good. You know, yeah. and, and there's there's. All of that that can be Maybe brought into it in the future. Before they see the red or the green. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Ask the question before they see the color. Well, I'm thinking there is a there will be a lot more education. So this is the change management. It's change management, thing. absolutely. Um, not only for the nurses, but for the nurses to patient families yep. because not everybody understands all that. But what I what I can see and envision is that because you're going to have more time, this there's a, a a lot of burden that is taken off of nurses for this, I actually will be able to do what I was trained to do and why I went into nursing is patient and family interaction. The anxiety level is reduced dramatically, whether it be the caregiver, Mm -hmm. knowing that my patient's being continually monitored, or the patient knowing that they're being continually monitored and not somebody popping in and seeing them every four hours. You know, so it's really a really huge benefit. Yeah, interesting. Peter? Yeah, you mentioned... um, Improvement of, uh, of patient care. If you look into uh, our guidelines, uh, we have guidelines in healthcare for, for a lot of things. Mm. And uh, in this case, care systems has really helped to visualize to the adherence to, to these guidelines and really help to focus on, okay, this is where uh, there's room for improvement and this is where we can further enhance outcomes because the guidelines are developed to drive these more standardized outcomes and, and predictable outcomes. And... Um, if you look into the sustainability part, uh, it obviously shown that uh, saving costs and saving the planet uh, and improving care quality really can go hand in hand. Yeah, absolutely. Gentlemen, this has been a fascinating conversation. Thank you so much for taking the time out. Thank you so much for listening to Top Med Talk here at the Euro Anesthesia 2023 meeting, the annual congress of the uh, European Society of Anesthesiology and Intensive Care. Got to get it. Uh, here in Glasgow, Scotland. We'll be here over the next several days. Please do check out all of our other wonderful conversations. Monty. See you all soon. Thanks. Cheers. Top Med Talk. Thanks for downloading Top Med Talk. Don't forget to subscribe via your podcatcher. Don't forget to check us out on social media. We're on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube. And also, don't forget, Top Med Talk is the broadcasting arm of EdPom, evidence-based perioptive medicine we'd love you to find out more about that if you check out ebpom.org you can find low prices on some of the conferences we're organizing around the world many of them are virtual and don't even involve you leaving your own home check out ebpom.org now thank you for listening to clinical view podcasts brought to you by ge healthcare expand your view at clinicalview.gehealthcare.com